The topics and opinions expressed in the following show are solely those of the hosts and their guests and not those of W4CY Radio, its employees, or affiliates. We make no recommendations or endorsements for radio show programs, services, or products mentioned on air or on our web. No liability, explicit or implied, shall be extended to W4CY Radio, or its employees, or affiliates. Any questions or comments should be directed to those show hosts. Thank you for choosing W4CY Radio. Good afternoon. Welcome to the Connected Table Live. I am your host, Melanie Young, with David Ransom. We are your insatiably curious culinary couple, and each week we bring you the dynamic people who work front and center and behind the scenes in the world of food, wine, spirits, and hospitality. And we are launching this week uh, a series that we call Families First, uh, uh, documenting the wonderful families who work in our industry. Our first guest is someone that we care deeply about. He is a giant in the world of wine and spirits. For 33 years, Bill Deutsch has run Deutsch Family Wine and Spirits, one of the country's leading wine and spirits importer distributors. Bill founded Deutsch Family Wine and Spirits, originally um, uh, just got renamed, with a vision of running a family-owned company that would import and market fine wines from family-owned producers around the world. The company is headquartered in White Plains and has over 200 employees and uh, a vast portfolio of very successful labels such as Yellowtail, Levan George DeBoeuf, Baroni Fini, Josh Sellers, and The Calling. Deutsch Family Wine and Spirits is truly one of the pioneers in bringing affordable, quality wines to the U.S. market and while doing so has changed the concept of wine marketing. Bill, welcome and thank you for calling in. It's a pleasure to have you. Oh, it's nice to speak with you folks, uh, especially around the holidays. Well, uh-huh. as we know, this is an important time of the year for wine and spirits because everybody is toasting. And we want to start with uh, a question. Uh, you, your, your motto is family first, and you have something called the six P's. What is that? Well, the six P's are the, uh, one of the foundations of the company, it's a philosophy that <clears throat> I've instilled in our people during the past 33 years. Uh, when we meet with suppliers, uh, new suppliers who want to uh, join our portfolio, we're very, very careful as to who we add. And I've broken down the requirements into P's. People, product, package, Pricing, promotionable, and potential. And I found over the years, and our my associates have found, that when all six P's are in sync, uh, we have a fabulous relationship. If one of the P's falls by the wayside, red flag goes up. If two f- uh, fall by the wayside, uh, we might have to disconnect with that supplier. Mm-hmm. And it really works. You're known for having very long-term relationships with your suppliers. Um, Who were some of your longest-term relationships? Some of the longest-term would be uh, Georges Dubuff from the Beaujolais Mackinac region, uh, Sauvignon from the Loire Valley, and André Lurton uh, from Bordeaux, specifically uh, the Pesac Leño area, 
mm-hmm. which is next door to the Grave. Right, which makes some beautiful white wines. Thank you. Yeah, very nice. You know, Bill, it's so interesting to talk to you. You you started Deutsch Wine and Deutsch Family Wine and Spirits as we as we know 33 years ago, and it was after working in the wine business for other companies for 20 years and and uh, both large and small companies, but mostly large. And you decided that at some at one point that you just wanted to do it on your own. What made you uh, take the jump to start your own company? Well, during the first 20 years, I, I learned a lot. The three companies I had worked at, I, I literally stole with my eyes and my ears and learned so much about the wine business. Mm-hmm. But then in 1981, uh, I decided that there is a niche, there is a place, for a family company working with family wine producers from around the world and selling through family distributors here in the United States. Yeah, Neil, that's interesting to point out that you have relationships with uh, underscore family-owned companies and you're partners with most of them, correct? Uh, Yes. Uh, majority of the people we work with, uh, we own either a piece or uh, all of the uh, assets of the company. That is correct. In so a was few that... instances, we have an agency relationship. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's how the company started uh, 33 years ago. But the agency segment has diminished and the equity ownership portion has grown. Does that does that bring new challenges to you when you decide you want to own a piece of the company as well? Is it is it a is it a hindrance and have a lot of obstacles, or is it something that you find easier to do because you have a piece and then therefore have a say in the in the production aspect of it as well? Well, it's always a challenge, uh, but it becomes easier and easier as we add more equitable brands to the company. Yeah, uh, we have a track record. We have a format that we follow. And our management team uh, knows the desires of my son, Peter, who's president, and myself, and lend assistance to achieving the goals that we want to achieve with all of our brands, especially those in which we have an equity position. And let's talk about some of these brands because they really are uh, powerhouses in the industry. You mentioned uh, you have a very long relationship with Levan George DeBuff, and you really brought the whole excitement of Beaujolais Nouveau to this country in a very big way. Um, and they also, uh, we, we must, of course, mention Yellowtail, which has been a behemoth in the industry and has had a lot of changes, including recently with an acquisition. Talk to us about your relationship with Yellowtail and what it has done for your company and for uh, the industry. And for the industry. Uh, in 1997, uh, Peter Deutsch and myself met John Casseller uh, out on the West Coast. We were looking for a uh, family producer from Australia because we wanted to venture into the Australian wine business. Mm-hmm. And strictly by coincidence, John Casella was looking for a family importer. Um, we negotiated an agreement between the two families, and we began to work together 
from 98 until 2001. In 2001, John Casella came to New York to visit with us, and he brought a new package that he thought we might like to introduce. And he took it out of the bag, and there it was, a bottle of yellowtail Chardonnay and a bottle of yellowtail Shiraz. Uh, the taste uh, was delicious. Uh, the pricing was very fair to the consumer. Uh, the packaging was very interesting because the first time I had seen an animal, uh, in this case a kangaroo, on the label. Mm-hmm. Uh, my son Peter uh, jumped for joy because he thought the label was very, very interesting. <laughs> well, the label sampled. is trailblazing because it, everybody else followed with the animals. That's very true. Uh, well, uh, we, 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 took, we took the package around the country, bought samples to distributors, and the first year uh, we shipped over 250,000 cases, and everybody was astonished. Yeah. Uh, the label was different. Uh, it had the wallaby, the kangaroo on it. And before we knew it, uh, competitive imports were coming up with uh, other animal labels. And some retailers around the country thought their store was being turned into. Into zoos. <laughs> well, you know, it's been great for uh, the fundraising, the animal world fundraising. I, I met my mother's in Tennessee, and last night she served a wine with a dachshund on it. So uh, it seems to be, it, it really did kind of open the doors in a very large way to a whole other category of thinking about wine. It sure has. Uh, we get letters from consumers all over the country telling us about their experiences uh, with Yellowtail. And they're very, very interesting to read. I hope your mom uh, chooses a bottle of Yellowtail next time she decides to buy some wine in Tennessee. Well, I'm well, sure, they're, I'm sure I'm, she will. I'm sure she's fundraising I'm, for giraffes, so she's yeah, looking sure. for giraffes. <laughs> and I'm sure there's some in the house, trust me. But, yes. uh, you know, and there's probably a bottle of Yellowtail in just about every house in America, it seems, these days. It's just yes. wildly successful. And, and I know you've got a lot of different interpretations of it, Chardonnay, Shiraz, Cabernet Merlot, things like that. It's um, And it's become really a, a household name in wine, unlike I think any other wine before it. Uh, I think it really in so many ways just changed the way um, wine and particularly affordable wine was marketed. Right. And, uh, and it's just been a great boon, I think, to the wine industry in a number of ways. We, we call it the go-to wine because people know they can go to it if they want something moderately priced that over-delivers right. uh, in quality and taste for the price they pay for a bottle. And we recently introduced uh, uh, a couple of new yellowtail uh, items, um, one of them being a sangria. And that caught on instantaneously. People love sangria this day. Oh, sang- these days. Sang- it's really coming back. Yeah, sangria is very hot these days. Why do you think that is? Um, because you had the summer of sangria, it seemed like, going on for a couple of summers now. Why, why is sangria and those kinds of wines um, appealing to the uh, wine-drinking co- consumer? It seems like younger people are experimenting in the summertime mm-hmm. with, with full-bodied wines. And uh, uh, the yellowtail sangria uh, fits this category. It can be served chilled, it can be served on the rocks, uh, and it doesn't become diluted. And it's a very 
pleasant tasting wine with a delightful aftertaste. Mm -hmm. Now, you also uh, acquired, I think two years ago, Epa Sangria, which is an organic sangria, correct? Uh, We did. uh, Two years ago, we bought a small little label that has since grown by leaps and bounds. We make an Epa Sangria, uh, both red and white, and it's 100% uh, organic. Right. And here again, so many comments from so many consumers. And sangria really, uh, you know, you think about it in the summer, but really you can enjoy it year-round. It, it's really actually fun to serve as a, a, in, in holiday time, like in a part of a punch. Uh, so it's good for this time of the year as well. Um, now, Casella recently acquired Peter Lehman. Uh, uh, we read... Right. Yes, Peter Lehman Winery is in the Barossa Valley. Mm-hmm. Uh, Peter Lehman was a re- well-recognized, high-quality wine producer. And the Casellas wanted to diversify their portfolio, not only with a moderately-priced wine like Yellowtail, but they wanted to go upscale with single-vineyard wines. And... Uh, they approached the Peter Lehman family, and the Lehmans and the Casellas sat down over a glass of wine and talked and talked, and they hit it off. And John Casella told us that the T's were crossed, the I's were dotted, and we're looking forward to reintroducing uh, the Peter Lehman wines from the Barossa Valley in Australia. Uh, in the next few months. Well, it's a it's a great historic winemaking region in Australia, um, and uh, it'll be nice to see those wines come in, and and really to have um, somebody like Casella and yourself behind them. Uh, it's it's I think it's going to be a match made in heaven. Uh, we think so. Also, we have a yeah. very close relationship with the Casellas, who we've worked with since 1997. So this is just one more uh, addition in the two families growing together. Incredible, well, incredible long-term relationship, which, again, attests to your um, going back to your original uh, commitment to families first. And I think that's really important. And I think that, you know, I don't know what other companies like yours in are in this specific industry uh, have that level of commitment. You really stand apart in that way, also with your distributors, um, which is quite unique. Now, recently, uh, in Schenken News Daily, you talked about um, a higher price point for the wines um, that are, uh, is kind of a new trend. Do you want to talk to us about that? Uh, we are constantly monitoring uh, consumers' uh, approach to wine, what's selling, what price range is selling. And we saw that wines uh, above the $10 price range we're really, really beginning to grow. And uh, people are trading up as they drink more wines. Fortunately for us, uh, we, have a one, we have a few wines in that category, but the one that's really skyrocketed is Josh. Uh, Josh, Josh is a California wine um, uh, produced in California, uh, that is now distributed throughout the entire United States, and it's really caught on with the consumer. Um, now, Josh Sellers is owned by Joseph Carr, 
which is also another label in your portfolio. Well, it was owned by Joseph. We bought it from Joseph two years ago, and Joseph has since joined our company. He needed to sell it because he was just too small to get national distribution Mm -hmm. himself. And he thought the best thing is, let me find a family partner uh, who I can work closely with and see if I can build this uh, to a couple of hundred thousand cases. What Joe didn't realize was the, the professionalism and strength of our company. And this year, uh, thanks to Joe's uh, quality in winemaking, uh, the brand is going to hit uh, 500,000 cases. Wow, that's a big number. That's a huge jump. Wow. Uh, it's a big, big jump. People yeah. love the wine, and uh, it, uh, it has all the peas. <laughs> It's got all six people. <laughs> Plus high performance. Exactly. <laughs> and it was oh, interesting. Joe, Joe sent an email the other day. He had been doing an important tasting in a uh, supermarket down in Virginia and uh, uh, signed a lot of bottles, uh, sold a lot of cases that day. And he was a bit tired, so he's packing up to go home. And an elderly couple came up to him. And they introduced themselves, and uh, Joe shook their hands. They said they drink, uh, uh, Josh, they love it. And Joe asked them why, and they said, well, our son-in-law, we lost our uh, son-in-law a few years ago in Afghanistan. Oh, wow. And uh, my daughter-in-law remembers him every day as we do. And we always drink Josh in his memory because oh, his sweet. name was Josh. Oh, that's sweet. And uh, Joe Carr left there in tears. Oh, yeah, it was wow. quite, well, quite something. That's I got a, choked up when I read his That's an amazing email. story. And, and Joe's dad was a military man. Yes, yes. Joe's dad was uh, Named Josh. Uh, Nicknamed a busy Josh. soldier in World War II. Mm-hmm. And Joe Carr built his uh, business in memory of his dad. That's right. He was a he was a working class guy, and Joe has a, the Joseph Carr wines, which uh, Aaron Pot is involved with as winemaker. And Josh was considered the wine that his dad would drink with his buddies if he was That's still right. around. That's right. That's right. And Aaron Potts considered one of the top winemakers uh, in the country today, and we're proud to uh, uh, work closely with him. He's, he's quite a guy. Very, very talented. We and just saw him on the cover him. of Tasting Panel magazine this month. Yes, yes. And it's thanks to Aaron uh, that the brand continues to grow. Wow, that's a great story. You know, he's like a Joe, Joe Carr is a legend, and he's like a, a really solid guy. And, and it, the connection is powerful in another way, which uh, I want to briefly bring up another P in your life, which is philanthropy. Uh, I think Josh Sellers has a very interesting program dedicated to helping um, the veterans, uh, which is also a connection with the Afghanistan story. Do you want to talk about that? Uh, yes. Uh, uh, we hooked up with Gary Sinise who I met personally, who who travels the country uh, raising money, uh, not only for veterans, but for first responders. 
and uh, uh, Gary's quite a guy. Um, he put a little band together, and he'll play music, and they've raised a lot of money. And with every bottle of Josh that we sell, we make a contribution uh, to the Gary Sinise Foundation. And the foundation has really done so much for veterans uh, who've been scarred, as well as first responders. Gary Sinise played um, Captain, what's his face, in uh, the Bubba Gump movie, right? He was, right. uh, yeah. he was, yeah. Yes, he <laughs> Captain, did. Captain, what, Captain Jack. No, no he, was, he was Lieutenant Dan. <laughs> oh, Lieutenant Dan, that was That's it. right. Gary was Lieutenant Dan, <laughs> and his band, he travels the country with, they, is called the Lieutenant Dan Band. Is that's that what they right. call it, really? That's yes. funny. Yeah, it. Yeah, and yeah, uh, it's a memorable gone. movie that uh, people watch time and time again. Oh, I could watch it all the time. It's just such a great movie, and and Lieutenant Dan was oh such a great great story. You know what? That's a one, great story. That is a great story. You know, one of the things I love about Deutsch Family Wine and Spirits and your commitment to the industry, Bill, is that you um, you really love to give back. Um, obviously, uh, the wine industry is a lot of work. There's a lot of there's a lot of nuts and bolts and a lot of pieces that make the puzzle all fit together. Uh, but a lot of what makes it together is is the word hospitality and, and, and the word family and, and keeping it all in the family and, and giving back to the people that are in need when they are in need. And one of the great things that you did uh, when Hurricane Sandy hit New York a couple of years ago was uh, create, a, create a, a drive to raise money uh, through um, changing the Beaujolais Nouveau launch into a coat drive and a, and a clothing drive and a, and a food drive uh, to help out those in need that had been affected by Hurricane Sandy. Do you want to tell us a little bit about the philosophy of what you do and, 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 and what your philosophy is about giving back and, and, and helping out? Uh, each year when we introduce uh, the new vintage of Beaujolais Nouveau, which comes on the third Thursday of November, just in time for Thanksgiving and Christmas, uh, we always have a theme behind it. And we do different things each year. And right after Sandy, the theme was uh, to make a contribution uh, to, to as many people as possible that suffered as a result of Sandy. Uh, we, we give money uh, to a lot of the uh, food banks around the country each year as a result of the successful sale mm -hmm. of the Dubuff Beaujolais Nouveau. And uh, very, very rewarding to do so. Well, it is. And, and I know in the case of Hurricane Sandy, um, you all had um, employees that were affected by the hurricane itself. So it wasn't just a, it wasn't a gesture to people that you don't know. It was really an internal gesture as well uh, because you had some displaced employees. Yes, we had displaced employees, and we took care of them from the company on a direct basis. Yeah. And it was a pleasure to make out a few checks to help them get situated as quickly as possible. Uh, that's part of the philosophy of the company. You also take care of your employees in other ways. I mean, you've got an incredible corporate culture. Um, what are some of the ways that you, uh, which helps obviously retain your employees and, and grow it, which is why you have a lot of long-term employees. What are some of the things you think about with your own family of employees that you think are important for any large company to consider? Uh, well, I think one of the things that the employees uh, 
uh, they, they have very good benefits. Uh, sometimes you don't appreciate long-term disability, uh, <laughs> but we provide a long-term disability to everybody. And when it hits, uh, then it's appreciated because they realize uh, the benefits of this kind of a uh, this kind of coverage. Uh, we had one young lady years ago who, unfortunately, um, had cancer. And uh, the doctor didn't give her uh, too much time to, to live. Mm -hmm. And she went on to short-term disability, then long-term disability. And I remember uh, her sending me a letter in the later part of her life saying that the long-term disability probably extended her life by three or four years. Wow. And I read it at the national sales meeting. And tough letter to read, got choked up, but uh, yeah. got through it. And uh, we're going through a similar situation now with a new employee. But that's only one benefit. Another one that I'm very, very proud of is a college scholarship program. Uh, the children of any and all employees other than Deutsch family uh, can apply for a scholarship through the company. And I think since its inception, we've taken care of about 75 uh, children who, who uh, have gone on to bigger and better things in their education. That's it's really great. rewarding to us. Very you know. much so, yeah. And, and, and it helps with you know, pride in the company and, and, and retention, which is always hard in this industry. Uh, yes, I, I think that people stay on with the company because they love working there. Mm -hmm. uh, I don't think it's for the college tuition. No, uh, really. It's a good perk, <laughs> but uh, they do appreciate it. They do say thank you, and I get lovely thank you notes from so many of those 75 recipients. And wow. more are coming. That's really an incredible story. I wish I wish more companies did things like that. And and I I can underscore the importance of long term disability, um, having paying for it out of you know regularly. It's something you don't think about until you need it, and then you really do are grateful for your employer for providing it. Uh, really, absolutely. really fantastic. Absolutely. Um, you have been honored for a lot of your philanthropy. Um, you've been decorated by the French government. Um, numerous awards. What does this all mean to you? I mean, what does this all mean to you? And where do you go with it from here? Well, uh, I, I've been blessed with an opportunity to uh, grow a wine company uh, to bring good wines to the United States mm -hmm. for consumers. And along the way, uh, the company and my son and myself have... Um, received various awards. Uh, French government gave us the gave me the Merit Agricole, but two years ago I got the esteemed uh, Legion of Honor, and it was well, a beautiful that, affair. That is a wonderful concert in New York. Yeah, yeah. Uh, my family was there. My two of my grandchildren got up and spoke, and it was a lovely, lovely evening. That's a wonderful honor. Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you very much. Yeah. We were just there for our good friend, Andre Jamais, who was uh, recently honored as well. 
and uh, George Sape. It, it's really a true honor, and and a, and a lot of it's because you've done so much in, in not only in the French wine industry but the French wine industry with De Boeuf and Sauvignon and 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 um, really uh, a lot. Uh, where you have wines in, in South America, we haven't talked about those in Italy, so we should talk about that because you really are almost everywhere but South Africa now, right? Uh, correct. Uh, we import wines from Italy under the Baroni Fini and Villapozzi label. Mm-hmm. We import wines from France, Georges Duboeuf, Vidal Fleury, André Lurton, Sauvignon. We import wine from Spain, uh, the Zamara family, uh, proudly with an old friend. Uh, we import a 95-point wine from Portugal, uh, Quinta de Valmeo, from the Douro Valley. Uh, we import from uh, Argentina, Route 22, Mendoza Valley, uh, from New Zealand, The Crossings. Mm-hmm. One of my favorite wines out of New Zealand, I have to say. Oh. And, and long, before, long before I knew you carried it, it was, I was a fan of it, Bill. So uh, that's just, it's a wonderful product. Sauvignon Blanc with a screw cap top makes it easy to enjoy. <laughs> you can't beat it. Delightful. You can't beat it, You don't have to right? drink Chardonnay all the time. Very Sauvignon user. Blancs are growing by leaps and bounds. Very user-friendly, as we say. In Australia, we have uh, the famed Yellowtail, um, and now the new edition with Peter Lehman. Mm-hmm. And we also bring in wines from California, uh, where we own some and represent one. Mm-hmm. We represent the Kunde family in mm-hmm. the Sonoma Valley. They started making wines there in 1904. Uh, they have the largest vineyard holdings in all of Sonoma. But a couple yeah. of years ago, we hooked up with uh, Girard and, of course, Joseph Carr and proudly uh, sell those and promote them and market them throughout the country. Sure. Well, Kunde's, wow. a, Kunde's a legendary name out there. Uh, Kunde's a legendary name. It's yeah. a great place to visit. Yeah, they that's encourage a, tourists who are in Sonoma to come by the Kunde estate. It is a beautiful, beautiful place yeah. uh, to visit. Yeah, no, it's, it's wonderful wines. They've got a great reputation as well. I've actually carried them on some of the lists that I've created as well uh, in restaurants, et cetera. So uh, I'm familiar with that brand and always have been a big fan. And uh, it's nice to see that you're involved with them as well. Talk to us about sparkling wines because you have a few in that category, right? Uh, we have uh, from Italy a Prosecco called Enza. Right. E-N-Z-A, a delicious uh, Prosecco. And Proseccos, uh, as a category, is one that's really growing in the U.S. I think people getting a little fed up with the high prices of champagnes these days. And there really is a swing towards Prosecco. Do you, think some, so. do you think some of it's been due to the economy and the downturn in 2008 and it just became something that was affordable that they could celebrate with? Or, or do you think that the 
I, I also kind of feel that the quality has really risen in Prosecco over the last five or six years as well. So you're, and you're seeing better Prosecco, you're seeing vintage Prosecco, you're seeing uh, things like that that are really making it a product that's, I think, more desirable for people to um, look into, shall we say, especially with champagne being so expensive. Um, yes, David, you're right on all those points. Mm-hmm. And the producers in Prosecco uh, have really increased and enhanced uh, the quality. They really have, haven't they, Bill? I think they've really they've really kind of upped the game, as we like to say in baseball, <laughs> up the ante, and and, um, and really kind of up their up their game. They're they're making a better product now, and they're, and they're thinking a little bit more outside the box. It was always a very traditional exactly. um, method that they made their made their product in, and it was always very traditionally marketed. And they're not doing that now. And uh, I think it's I think it's an exciting time for that category. It is, and uh, uh, the Enza has really caught on. E N Z A, it's really caught on. Yeah, that's and a beautiful, beautiful, nice pa- <coughs> beautiful packaging. Pack- beautiful package too, by for. the way. Yeah. Yeah. Really nice. You know, I want to talk a little bit about um, George DeBuff, which I know is one of your one of your cornerstone products that you bring in and, and uh, a wonderful relationship that you've had with George DeBuff himself uh, since you started the company. Um, and uh, you've done so much to elevate the, the recognition and the perception of Beaujolais here in the U.S., not only with Beaujolais Nouveau, but with the crew wines. Uh, right. And there, there are 10 crew in Beaujolais, which are the villages and the regions that Beaujolais has made. Um, right. and, and the wines that you bring in of the crew wines of Georgia Buff are also fabulous. But you've also invested in a couple of um, single properties with Georgia Buff. Uh, to highlight really the exceptional wines that are coming out of Beaujolais now. What's the secret in Beaujolais, and 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 what's the future for it? It's such it makes such great wine, and um, it gets glossed over by so many people who are always looking for something, uh, but they never really quite go to Beaujolais. But I think the wines are fabulous, and I, and I think the perception finally is starting to grow, especially with these great crews that are coming in. Tell us your tell us your thoughts. Uh, in the early 80s, we introduced the DeBuff wines uh, on the east coast of the United States and eventually throughout the U.S. And the wines came in a beautifully designed label with flowers on it uh, that George DeBuff had designed. And we had the packaging that was gorgeous. Uh, the peas were all there. The product was fairly priced. George made very, very good wine. And the Beaujolais Village, uh, which is the flagship of his portfolio, really took off. Uh, the Ten Crew uh, are enjoyed, uh, but they're not in as broad a distribution as the Beaujolais Village are. No, certainly not. A lot not. of American consumers don't understand the crew. I... And you really have to go into your finer wine shops right. uh, to find the crew. And I and think the stores that do carry it. Uh, do very well with the crew. Yeah. Well, we. I think years ago, um, uh, the Deutsch family and the Dubuffs uh, bought a property uh, called Chateau de Capitaine, mm-hmm. and uh, the wine is very, very good, and it's distributed throughout the U.S. under the Dubuff label, but called Chateau de Capitaine. Mm-hmm. 
It's one of my favorites. It's actually one of my favorites as well, and it's. Uh, I, I had lunch with the with the with your other half, the family that uh, owns and runs the winery with you, um, back in March of last year and or earlier this year, and it was very nice to sit down and really try some of the wonderful wines that they're producing with you. Um, another thing I'd like to point out is that the Beaujolais crew wines. So many of the crew really are very small production. So to mm-hmm. find find some of them is a little bit difficult, which is why something like the Beaujolais Village, which is at a, a, a great price point and also a very good wine, comes in handy because if you can't find a, a crew, you've always got a great backup in the Beaujolais Village. Uh, agreed. And again, the, the better wine shops around the country uh, do carry not only the Beaujolais Village, but the crew as well. Sure. Mm-hmm. Now, Bill, just to switch gears a little bit, um, in 2009, you started a spirits division. That's correct. And uh, it's, it's, it's still a, a small number, but a very carefully curated number of um, spirits. And uh, you've got Luxusawa Vodka. Is, these are all family-owned as well, correct? No, uh, no, they're not. Uh, okay. Luxusawa uh, which is a uh, Polish potato vodka, right. is owned by Perna Ricard. Huh. And Perna Ricard uh, turned to the Deutsch family because they're busy with their other vodkas. Well, and they've they got asked a, us to try yeah. and build this one for them. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, the vodka is very, very good. Um, it is gluten-free. It's very pleasant. It has a very pleasant taste. Um uh, it's distilled, uh, it's triple distilled, mm-hmm. and it has a vodka that doesn't burn, it has a pleasant aftertaste, and it's really begun to catch on. Uh, people call it Luxo, uh, but the producer himself uh, likes to call it Luxusova. Luxusova. Uh, in, mm-hmm. in Polish, that means luxurious. Yeah. And it, so and it is. Luxurious vodka. And it is too, because it being made from not not wheat, being a potato-based vodka, it's actually got a, a little bit of a different mouthfeel to it. So it's actually it's it's very interesting to drink, uh, and especially when you drink it side by side with other vodkas and do a taste test, uh, it really start it really shines through in that respect. Which is always fun to do. I think everybody should yeah. do a side by side vodka tasting. It's really enlightening what you discover on your palate. Because I love potato vodkas, I really yeah. do. It's gotten very good ratings because of its fine quality. Yeah, there's nothing yeah. special about potato vodka. Yeah, it's a very different product, and uh, I, I actually enjoy it. You know, it's got a viscosity, I think, that a wheat vodka uh, doesn't have. I think, Agreed. It, and, and it makes it, it makes it very interesting to makes it very interesting to taste uh, because it's got that different mouthfeel. Um, you know, I'd love to talk to you about wine versus spirits because they're very different from each other in a marketing respect um, and need to be marketed differently to both con- trade and consumer um, and whatnot. How do you work with them, and do you work with an independent philosophy when you're marketing a spirit versus a wine? Obviously, you're very good at marketing wine, but spirits are a little bit new to you. And did you have to kind of like, you have to retool your wheelhouse to to kind of start to market with spirits as well? Well, we, the management of the company, uh, have been in the spirits business over the over the years. At one time, I was involved with Johnny Walker and Tanqueray. Mm-hmm. Uh, and other management people and salespeople were involved in spirits. Uh, in the area of marketing uh, within the company, we differentiate. We have a separate wine marketing department 
and a separate uh, spirits marketing department uh, because the philosophies and the approaches are different. They're very different. When it comes to sales through our valued family distributors around the country, uh, we basically use the same sales organization. Mm -hmm. Because our people uh, are knowledgeable about wines, but they also know their spirits. And do you make sure that they you make sure they your your staff gets educated on both, and that they have a good handle on both before they go out into the field? Uh, every every new employee who comes to the company goes yeah. through rigorous training. Uh, we have a in house educator, uh, very very knowledgeable. Mm-hmm. Jorge Hernandez has studied wine and spirits all of his working life. Sure, we know Jorge. And, very nice guy. You know Jorge? Okay. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. He not only teaches employees, but he travels around to visit distributors and uh, does wine tastings for consumer groups. Mm-hmm. And he's always very, very well received. Yeah. Well, I it's think important, that's important. Yeah, very yeah, it's important. A very, it's a very important part on all aspects of the company and, and trying to get a wine out or a spirit out there is to make sure that, A, you know what you're talking about, but also you're the, that you're able to be able to convey it. Uh, so having something like Jorge on is a great thing to do. Truly, truly. Yeah. I want to ask you about another personal uh, favorite of mine in the spirits area, Villa Massa, which has a very interesting story, and it's just a beautiful limoncello. Uh, and I'd like to see more people drinking limoncello. Uh, Tell us it, about this brand. Uh, limoncello is, is family-owned. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, it's from Sorrento, Italy, mm-hmm. and it's produced from 100% uh, natural uh, lemon. Mm-hmm. Um, the family, uh, the Massa family, uh, has been producing this for uh, so many years, and they're very proud of their product. Uh, a lot of rest, a lot of Italian restaurants, especially, try to make their own limoncello. It's right. not. Uh, it's not easy to do. No. Uh, which is not easy to do, but they all experiment and do it. <laughs> and we course. bring in a bottle of Villa Massa, <laughs> and instantaneously they, they can distinguish between what they're trying to make and what these professionals make. Yeah, yeah, it's a pretty involved process, and uh, very it's it's easy to make and not easy to make well, which is uh, always better to leave it up to the professionals at that point. If any of your um, uh, listeners ever travel to uh, Sorrento, uh, they should stop in and visit uh, the Villa Massa uh, producing facility. They welcome tourists. Just That's like really Sunday. good to know. I'd yeah. actually love. I'd actually love to do that. I was in Italy a couple of times this year, but it was on it was on wine based trips and wine based forays to Italy. So I didn't actually do a lot with the spirits while I was there. Well, but one of these days, one afternoon, and go to visit Villa Massa. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I want to. You, you, you've you've talked about family so much this hour and and uh, and what it means to you to be involved with family-owned companies and work with families etc yet your company is also family-owned and you work hand-in-hand with your son Peter uh, who unfortunately couldn't join us today but you two have been working together for almost 30 years and um, you so there's obviously a great dynamic there tell us a little bit about what your relationships like and what makes it work uh, uh, Peter and I have a very very close personal and business relationship I have a personal relationship with my two other children, mm-hmm. uh, but the business relationship is with Peter. Uh, our company goals are very similar. 
the methodology uh, of achieving those desired goals uh, is in sync with each other. Um, we work closely with uh, people in the industry, our distributors and our salespeople, and they recognize and appreciate and respect uh, the the father-son relationship. Um, they see continuity of the company, continuity of the business, uh, continuity of the same brands coming into the U.S. because you do have uh, two generations. Sure, sure. We make sure that the company goals are goals we both agree to. Uh, we separate uh, the business from family matters. Uh, Which is very important to do. We surround ourselves with uh, professionals, legal, financial, planning, all of whom understand the dynamics of a, a family business. And there are very special dynamics, and some work and some don't. I'm thinking about the Korean Airlines uh, fiasco with the daughter that kicked off the um, macadamia, the whole macadamia net scandal, and her father had to, like, let her go and and apologize for her, but it, it's actually causing scrutiny. I'm reading the New York Times in in the uh, Korean government. Yes. Uh, so you know there you it, it it can you know some family uh, businesses have uh, a lot of tensions, and but yours seems to be fairly seamless, uh, which is you know a testament to uh, your relationship with Peter and your ability to think and sync. Well, he joined the company in 1985. Uh, and we've grown to almost uh, to over 10 million cases of wine. So father son must be doing something right together. Uh, obviously so. <laughs> uh, with the help of some valued employees who understand and recognize the value uh, of a dad and son uh, owners. Well, there's, it, it's a special dynamic, and you two are—you two do make a great team. And I know you've got a lot of creative juices in you, and and Peter's got a lot, a lot of marketing sense in him as well, too. So obviously, the fit is a good fit for the two of you, and it's so nice to see that you've been able to make it work all these years and really grow Deutsche Wine and fi- Deutsche Family Wine and Spirits into such a company. You know, it's now the number six importer in the country, and and uh, as you just said, ten million cases, and really has done a great job in in creating a landscape of uh, wine marketing unlike what had been seen before its time and uh, it's really done a great job so you guys you guys are obviously on the right track with uh, both your relationship and what you do thanks david thank you very much so bill we have about a minute to a uh, minute and a half to wrap up i'd like you or we would like you just to tell us in in a few words or sentences what you'd like your legacy to be yours and peter's in the landscape of the wine and spirits industry Moving forward, you know, how do you want to be remembered and what do you want to be? You, you're known for so much. Where do you want to go from this point? You've got a, a, a long life ahead. How do you want to shape it? I, I guess I can sum it up very easily, and I, I advocate to people whenever I have, I have a chance to and to youngsters who want to go out into this world. Uh, it's something I believe in, and that's truly the harder you work, the luckier you're going to get. Mm-hmm. And it's something I believe in. It's worked for me. It's worked for Peter. The harder you work, the luckier you get. So hard work equals luck. That's a great uh, 
uh, analogy. Um, and too many people these days don't understand the importance of hard work when they enter the workforce. Uh, it takes a lot of hard work to get well, where you are today. There's nothing you can't do if you make up your mind to do it, but plug mm-hmm. away at it. Do it with your head held high. Honesty, integrity, handshake should be your bond. And I guarantee keep working hard and the luck will come. Yeah. Well, Bill, we want to thank you very much uh, for being on our show today. Um, for anyone who is listening who wants to learn more about Deutsch Family Wine and Spirits, uh, the website is www.deutschfamily.com. Uh, just, uh, it is a wonderful company, lots of brands um, to consider, and you can find almost anywhere in the United States now. Thanks, Melanie. Thanks, David. A very happy holiday to you and to all your listeners all over the country. Thank, Thank you, you so Bill. much, Bill. So it's such a pleasure to have you on, Bill. And I hope you and Fran have a great holiday as well. Thank you so very much. Take care. All right. Bye-bye. That was that was Bill Deutsch, uh, the founder and chairman of Deutsch Family Wine and Spirits, um, a wonderful company. We want to thank him for taking the time to be on. Uh, you're talking to the Connect, listening to the Connected Table Live with Melanie Young and David Ransom. Uh, we look forward to having you join us next Wednesday. We will be having uh, John Rowley, an oyster expert from Seattle, and Joan Kukas of Chocolate Modern, who is a chocolatier. Uh, you can listen live every Wednesday at 2 p.m. and, of course, on demand at iHeart.com anytime to hear any of our shows and podcasts. Until then, we wish you a savory, delicious week. Follow us at the Connect at Connected Table on Twitter and www.theconnectedtable.com. Thank you very much for listening. Have a wonderful week.